everyone, this is Zach at FF Chalupa Batman. This is Triple Play Fantasy Beyond the Analyst. Today I am joined by the great Dave Kluge. How's it going today, Dave? Going great, man. appreciate you having me on. It's my pleasure. So this is episode 25. So I think this is a big deal. I'm happy to have you on for episode 25. Quarter of a Uh, century. (laughs) There we go. So if you guys have missed the first 24 episodes, uh, please go watch them. We have a lot of great interviews with a lot of your favorite analysts out there. We're on if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, like, all that fun stuff. If you are listening to us on the podcast, make sure you're following downloads so you don't miss any of these great episodes coming out every Monday. And Triple Bay Fantasy has so much great content coming out for you for football, basketball, baseball. We even talk about food, movies. They got everything there. So make sure you're following so you don't miss anything out. So Dave, you are a contributor for Football Guys, correct? Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I guess we'll just get right into it. What was your inspiration to start creating fantasy football content? You know, I I, I kind of stumbled into this by, uh, I don't know if mistake is the right word, but it's not like I ever had this like burning passion to be a content creator, right? I've just played fantasy football my entire life. The first league that I ever got into, I was nine years old. I got uh, into my dad's league and it was my dad and a bunch of his buddies. And at the time, it wasn't even on a computer. Like my dad was the commissioner. Everyone would call their lineups in. He'd write them all down on paper. You know, we'd be frantically scratching down uh, stats at halftime, trying to see how our teams were doing. And I ended up winning that league. And I was accused of cheating as a nine-year-old who had never played fantasy football before, booted from that league. And I took a few-year hiatus from fantasy football. But then once I got into high school, um, I started a fantasy football league with a couple buddies. And, and that's still going to this day. And then even in grade school, I had a teacher who I didn't even realize it was fantasy at the time. He called it math baseball. But we would pick our favorite baseball players and then we'd go through the newspaper and we'd add up all the the scores every single week. So fantasy is something I've been doing since I was a little kid. And what started um, as far as content creation was me going on Reddit, you know, r slash fantasy football. And that's where I was going because I thought it would give me a cool edge and help me, you know, find some new information. And then from there, I just started becoming a really heavy contributor on Reddit. And I was basically writing full length articles on Reddit as text posts. And they were all completely anonymous. One day somebody reaches out to me and they say, hey, you know, your articles are pretty decent. Would you be interested in writing for fantasy pros? I nearly fell out of my chair at the time thinking, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm going to be the next Mike Tagliere. This is amazing. You know, I'm getting the gig at fantasy pros. Little did I realize that job was as low on the totem pole as possible, you know, doing NBA game recaps. Um, but I did that for a few years. I was working uh, through the NBA and MLB. And then finally, heading into the 2020 season, I made it very apparent, you know, talking with with Kyle Yates and Mike Taglair and Dan Harris and everybody over there saying NFL is what I want to do. Like, all I want to do is write for NFL. I want to get into NFL. They finally gave me a crack heading into the 2020 season. Um, Started, you know, doing some NFL stories here and there. And that's when somebody, Adam Koffler, said, hey, you know, you should get on Twitter and start sharing your information. So uh, off season of 2020, I, I hopped on Twitter and just started having fun on Twitter, being myself, you know, being a goofball and being sarcastic and stirring the pot and leaning into memes and jokes. And for whatever reason, it just resonated with a lot of people. And, and here I am. Oh, that's awesome. And can kind I of bring it back to your beginning? That's, I mean, you're doing something right. If you get accused of cheating as a nine-year-old <laughs> in your first, in your first season, <laughs> get put in front of me, that's awesome. Uh, but no, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say similar, but I started when I was in high school, but with my dad, we were in the same league together and there's no, no collusion with that going on. But I think I won my third or fourth season and then that's when i really got hooked on and i mean once you get that taste of of a championship you want 
you want more <laughs> and and what i what i love about fantasy football more than anything is just how it like keeps friend groups together like you know this this league that i started in high school we still have going and we got a trophy you know a traveling trophy that goes around every single year i'm flying back to chicago for the draft this year and these are my my guys that i genuinely consider my best friends and whether it's causation or correlation i don't know if it's the fantasy league that keeps us together or if we're just really good friends that happen to play fantasy football but either way i like to think that you know the the fantasy football league is the reason that we still talk every single day and we've had this group chat going since before group chats were even a thing on iPhones you know we started in a Facebook group chat and then we moved it to iPhones and now we're over on Telegram but it's just these are genuinely my best friends that I talk to every single day kids that I've known since I was little kids you know most of us knew each other from playing football together in high school and now here we are you know in our in our mid 30s still with this fantasy football league going and and, and that's what I like about fantasy football is the social aspect of it oh absolutely I mean obviously it's fun to win but I mean at the end of the day it's just the experience and like you said hanging out with your friends doing live drafts if you can do live drafts and it's also just talking crap to each other it's just, it's just a good time <laughs> that's that's what it's really all about at the end of the day right <laughs> yep especially if your team your actual NFL team's not doing well and you're like yeah at least I can talk some crap with <laughs> and we're all football. Bears fans so all we've got <laughs> is fantasy football <laughs> there you go uh hey maybe in 2024 things <laughs> things will be maybe. better <laughs> uh but that's great and uh kind of switching gears a little bit because i think it's an important topic you're a huge proponent of mental health awareness um and you've talked about it a lot i know you've gone on to other shows and you've been part of some different um like the uh what like the marathons uh talking about mental health awarenesses podcast so why does it mean so much to you um i mean i've been open about this uh but i suffer from bipolar disorder and it's something where you know as a teenager, we thought it was just, you know, hormones and, and moodiness. And, um, you know, I, I, I really fought against getting help while I was a teenager. And, um, you know, after uh, a suicide attempt and a hospitalization um, and, and some therapy, I still was really resistant to the fact that, like, there's, there's no way I can have, you know, a mental health issue. That's just crazy. You know, I'm a, I'm a 15-year-old kid. Like, I can't be bipolar. And I just kind of ignored it. And then uh, throughout my late teenage years, in the early 20s, I got myself into a lot of trouble just hanging out with the wrong crowds, you know, self-medicating with a lot of different drug use. Um, and then finally, when I was uh, around 25 years old, I said, you know, this just isn't a way to live where I'm having the, these breakdowns where I'm, you know, on the phone with suicide hotlines and, and I'm calling my friends, you know, saying terrible things that I'm going to do to myself and, you know, having these intrusive thoughts that are just awful to deal with. So I, I went to therapy and I, I did that under my own admission um, around 24, 25 years old. And it it completely changed my life. And it was, uh, you know, a tough process going through therapy and talking about a lot of the trauma that I had as a kid and, uh, you know, being really resistant to medication and not wanting to be on medication and not wanting to admit that I actually had a problem. But I got on medication and I stuck through the therapy and I was able to, you know, release a lot of the skeletons that were in my closet and live a much happier life. Um, and, you know, we realized through therapy that a lot of my problems were being rooted in Chicago, where I had a lot of really bad memories, you know, still living in Chicago. So my wife and I, a few years ago, moved out to Colorado. And from there, you know, I've adopted a very outdoorsy lifestyle. And that has helped tremendously with my mental health to the point where I've been able to get off medication and live a very balanced life. And it's not something that just happened like this. You know, I didn't just wake up one day feeling better. But after years of medication and exercise and therapy, you know, I've been able to live a balanced life. But really, I know firsthand the hardest part about that was admitting that you have a problem. You know, it's weak, like you, you feel weak and you feel helpless to give into that and say, you know, I have a problem. I have a clinical medical imbalance in my head and I need help for it. 
it's not an easy step to take. So I just want people to know that if you're dealing with these same problems, there are avenues out there that you can help yourself and you can go on to live a very healthy and normal life if you take those steps. I appreciate you sharing your experience. And like you said, I think in 2022, we've come a long way, but I think we still have a long way to go of talking about mental health and and I guess having it more open dialogue about it. Um, you mentioned therapy as being a, a huge proponent to helping you. So what do you think we can do to continue to break down the stigma of going to therapy or just talking about your mental health as just a normal conversation? And I think the biggest thing is is, is talking about it. And, you know, it's it's uncomfortable sharing that story. Um, you know, last year um, in the summer, right before I went on the Hayden Hearst Potathon, Hayden Hearst Potathon, I, I shared my story and, you know, I really spilled my guts out there and, and being vulnerable and talking about suicide attempts. Um, you know, I, I think something that really resonated um, in that thread that I shared was a picture that I'd shared a couple of weeks earlier where it was my wife and I at a wedding, you know, it was our best friend's wedding. And the picture that I share is me in a tuxedo, hair blowing in my wind, big smile on my face, you know, looking, looking good. And my wife is looking beautiful next to me. And, you know, I had some comment about, you know, how lucky I was to be married to the smoke show of a woman. And that's what people see. But the night before that, I had to leave the rehearsal dinner because I had a panic attack. And this was back in Chicago, like I said, where a lot of my problems are rooted. And I had a full-blown panic attack where I couldn't be there at the rehearsal dinner for my best friend's wedding. I was at, up in the hotel room by myself in the dark, crying, having these terrible, intrusive thoughts that you know I thought I had gotten past. But it's not something that leaves you. You know, It still comes around and it's still constantly something that's in your head. So sharing that story isn't an easy thing to do. And it's something that people have rubbed in my face and they've used it against me. And they've, you know, said, Oh, you must be off your pills because I have a take that they don't agree with on fantasy football. So opening yourself up, it makes you very vulnerable and it makes you susceptible to being attacked by strangers for no reason at all. But I think it's really important to have those discussions and let people that are struggling know that they aren't alone and that other people are dealing with these problems as well. You know, I appreciate that. And, uh, it's terrible that people are saying those different things when it has nothing to do with that. But at the end of the day, I think it's also more that's their own issues that they haven't dealt with and they probably need to seek some therapy. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way at all. Um, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I don't really talk about it much on Twitter because that's just not really how I use my uh, my social media. But I've talked about it in other places before, too. But I mean, I had depression. I probably still have from time to time if I'm not doing what I need to do. And so therapy was great. Um, did I want to go to therapy? No. Because, uh, like you said, it, there there is a stigma around it, and you're like, why do I need to do this? But then once you actually do it, like you feel so much better. Um, as crazy as that sounds, and so that's why I like having these kind of conversations with people and just putting it out there that it's okay to go and to talk about your feelings and to talk about whatever you need to talk about to somebody, preferably a professional. Um, but it it really does make a difference. And Zach, I've also I've been following you on Twitter for a little while, and I know that you're big into health and and fitness and working out and eating healthy. And, you know, I I don't want to say that that's the end all be all that like, you know, just, oh, go for a run and that's going to make everything better. That certainly isn't the case, but that helps so much with your mental health. Like if you start taking care of your body, that starts affecting everything else in your body better. And, you know, eventually it starts helping with your your brain power and, and with those things as well. So I, I think really what you need to do if you're struggling with mental health issues, there is no quick fix. There's no pill that you're going to be able to take that's going to make you better. You're not going to go to one session of therapy and feel better. You can't go for a run around the block and feel better. It really is a lifestyle change that you need to be committed to. But the first step to making that commitment to change is calling up a therapist and setting appointment. That is the hardest part because that step of calling a therapist and making an appointment is admitting that you have a problem. And that's what most people don't want to do. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it is a process and it's not a quick process. It's not an easy process, but it is a rewarding process um, if you give it the, the time and, and you really commit to it. So yeah. I, I, appreciate I appreciate you for wanting that. to talk about this too. I mean, a lot of people don't like talking about it. It's an uncomfortable thing. So thank you for allowing me to talk about this on your platform. I really appreciate it. No, no, my pleasure. Like I said, I think we need to talk about it more to make it more quote unquote normal uh, yep. and not, not the stigma of like, Oh, he, he needs to go to therapy or he needs to do this or she needs to do that. Like you, you just got to do what you got to do to take care of yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think a lot of people don't realize, I, I guarantee you there's a ton of people in the, in the fancy football community alone that have gone to therapy or have been on antidepressants or are doing some sort of mental uh, process to help them. And they just might not talk about it. And they might think like, Oh, there's no one else out there like me. And so I don't want to talk about it. Not realizing that, I bet more than half of the community is like them um, and they just we just don't talk about it. And I mean, I, you know, I, I don't share private conversations that I have with people. But when I shared that thread and that story, I got hundreds of DMs that day. I'm not exaggerating hundreds of DMs of people telling me, you know, thank you for sharing. And, you know, for me, it was actually a really draining day because it was basically everybody unloading their problems onto me and people telling me, you know, my, my, my brother committed suicide or, you know, I lost my wife to cancer. I mean, the stories that people were telling me were horrible to have to deal with but you know i opened myself up to that but i had literal literally hundreds of dms from people saying that they struggled as well and people that were in therapy and people that were afraid to share their story so it's absolutely a real thing and and i i feel like if you have a platform you know it's you put yourself in a very vulnerable and susceptible spot by talking about it but if you have the courage to do that i think that you absolutely should and there's some other people out there in the industry I'm I'm not the only person at all. And there are other people in the industry that talk about it as well. And, you know, I just want to give a huge pat on the back to anybody that's willing to have, have that bravery. Yeah, absolutely. And not to diminish anything at all or, and bring it back to fantasy football at all. But I mean, when you put out your content in fantasy football, you feel vulnerable. You're putting out your takes like you're opening yourself up to criticism. I mean, I don't want to say it's the exact same thing, but it's a similar feeling of that vulnerability. So if you can do it with fantasy football content, I'm not saying you have to talk about mental health, but I mean, I, I bet you can handle it if you can if you can do fantasy football content. Yeah, I, I've spilled my guts out before talking about my mental health. I can guarantee you that I can care less what you have to say about my Ezekiel Elliott take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but it's that same concept. Um, it's right. just different degrees. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so um, to transition it to well, a little bit of a, a lighter topic, but I really appreciate you you sharing your story and talking about that. Like I said, I, I hope this is inspires other people to to come out and talk about it or even just reach out to either of us or anybody else that they feel comfortable with just mm -hmm. to kind of talk about what they're going through. Um, but there's a lot of new content creators um, in this space or maybe they're even thinking about it. It's growing rapidly. Um, so you've been in the space for a decent amount of time, but you're pretty new to the NFL space. Um, but you've had a, a, I would like to say a meteoric rise in the space. Um, you've done a lot very quickly. So do you have any advice for, those content creators that maybe are just first starting out or maybe they're thinking about it and they just haven't taken that step. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I kind of stumbled into the industry. It wasn't something that I, I had really planned to do. Um, you know, I feel very blessed for the opportunities I have, you know, being over at football guys is a dream come true for me. Um, but, but really so much of this industry comes down to networking. I mean, there are so many fantastic content creators out there, literally tens of thousands of people that are sharing their content on Twitter every single day. And it makes it tough to stand out in the bunch. So I've been very open about this in the past, but um, the best thing that I ever did was, uh, I don't know if you remember last off season, I did a show with Steffi Smalls called Our Friday Show. And what it was is similar to what you're doing right now is an interview style show 
But I always said that, um, you know, it killed three birds with one stone because one, I was building connections with people in the industry. And, you know, I had JJ Zacharyson and Matthew Barry and some really big guests on that show. I was building connections with those people. In addition to building connections with those people, I was also tapping into their audience because then they want to share that show that I recorded with them. And then that's helping me reach a larger audience. And then the third and most important thing that I took away from that show was that I was learning from the best of the best. And we weren't talking about fantasy football. We were talking about how people made it in the industry. And, you know, I was learning. And and for me, I'm a sponge. So when I'm sitting there listening to Matthew Barry talk for an hour straight about what his journey was like and how he made it and things that he did to differentiate myself, I'm taking all that in and thinking about how I can apply it to myself. So that show really helped me a ton. Um, and then I also learned from some mistakes along the way where, you know, I stepped out of my lane a few times trying to trying to break news instead of just talking about fantasy or, you know, getting involved in some petty drama and learning through those mistakes. The biggest piece of advice I'd have now for anybody trying to make it in the industry is just to keep your head down and avoid the drama. It's so much easier to be nice and take the high road. I can't tell you how many times a day I type out a response where I just want to lash out at somebody. And then I think before I hit send and I say, nope, there's no reason for it. I delete 20 tweets a day that I want to respond or I'll type up a subtweet that's so vague, but you know, it's a subtweet. You know that I'm talking, you know, talking about somebody specifically there. And I just say, there's no point to it. You can scroll through my entire feed. You can go back months. You can go back an entire year and you're not going to see me engaging in that drama because there is just no benefit to it whatsoever. You might get a couple cheap likes from some other people that are, you know, eating their popcorn behind the scenes, but the people that are in decisions to hire people at big companies, they don't want to see that. They want to see people that are kind. They want to see people that treat others with respect and they want to see people that keep their nose out of the mud. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think that last piece is really important. I mean, whether you like it or not, your social media presence, whether it's Twitter, TikTok, wherever you are, that's your resume. Um, if you are trying to get hired um, in the industry somewhere, they're, and, they're paying and, attention. And, and don't take it from me. You know, I, I had Scott Fish on my show this uh, last week and we were talking a lot about SFB. And I asked him, I said, what, what is some advice that you have for people in the, in, that are trying to get into content creation? And he said, be kind, work hard. Everything else will fall into place. And then he talked about how he was just at FSGA up in Detroit. And he was having conversations with people that hire and that people will often say, you know, this guy is great content, but I don't know if you see how they act on Twitter. We can't have that be a part of our brand. People are every single day. I see it just shooting themselves in the foot and ruining opportunities for themselves. And they don't realize it. Just stay out of the mud and you'll get an opportunity. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. So that was the last of my, we'll call them the, the serious questions. <laughs> um, I have some rapid fire questions if you're game. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So you can provide as little or as much context as you want to answer these questions. So as a Chicago Bears fan, who is your all-time favorite Bears player? I mean, this one's probably pretty obvious to anyone that follows me on Twitter. I got the man's name in my bio. I mean, I don't have a lot in my bio at all. And I have Jay Cutler apologist in there. This helmet right here behind me signed by Jay Cutler himself. I've been a huge Jay Cutler fan, man. I still remember it. I was 18 years old at the time. I was working at Champ Sports. I uh, didn't even have a, a, a smartphone. I got a call from somebody on my flip phone and I, you know, flip my phone open, take the call. And they said, dude, we just trade for Jay Cutler. And and I couldn't believe it. I mean, being a lifelong Bears fan, we've never had any semblance of a good quarterback. And and the thing with Jay Cutler, I just think that he got such a tough shake in Chicago. You see this guy, he threw for 4,500 yards. You know, he only took 12 sacks his final year in Denver. And then he comes behind this terrible offensive line in Chicago. There was no coaching, you know, there was no coaching core that could help bring him to the next level they pretty much said hey we gave up a bunch of draft capital for you we're paying you a bunch of money go out there and play hero ball it took like 90 sacks in his first two seasons never rebounded from it you know just we we saw him just continue to backpedal in his development 
And I, I feel like, you know, he would have been a fantastic player if he just stayed out of Chicago. Yeah, that's probably accurate. But yeah, he, he was fun. I think a lot of people forget that because they remember those those last couple of seasons. But and you know, the other thing, everyone talks about how he has, you know, no heart for the game or anything because it, it's just his face. You know, he just pouts all the time. That's just what his face looks like. But go watch this guy play. I mean, he was diving out head first to break the goal line like he played with heart on every single play. But. You know, the way that history remembers it, smoking Jay Cutler with that really, you know, it, it's just his face. Poor guy's mm-hmm. just got a face that people can't stand. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Eli Manning problem. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> just something about his face. Uh, so is cereal a type of soup? Ah, oh, man. I think by definition it is, right? Uh, I've had this discussion a few times before. I mean, by definition, isn't soup just like a liquid-based meal that's served in a bowl with things in it? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think cereal's a soup. Fair enough. Uh, would you rather win at least one fantasy football league every year or the Chicago Bears win one Super Bowl within the next decade? Man, I win enough fantasy championships. I'm getting sick of them. Give me a Chicago Bears Super Bowl, man. I take that over <laughs> just about anything. I had a feeling that'd be the answer, but you know, you, know, yeah, you never know. I had, to, 19, I had to put it out there. Born in 1990 <laughs> and uh, 19, or 1985 was the last Bears championship. I saw the Bears go to one Super Bowl, which was a lot of fun, but just got picked apart by Peyton Manning and, and that was the end of it. So man, I, I I'd give, give a lot up to see a Bears Super Bowl win. Fair enough. Absolutely. Um, if you could live in the fictional universe of any movie, what would it be? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, that, that's a good one. I, I haven't given much thought to this ever in my life. Um, fictional universe. I mean, I'm just going to go with something probably a little bit boring here, but I love the show Parks and Rec. I mean, just getting to hang out with Andy Bernard and Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson. Like, I feel like that would be a blast hanging out with all those people. So I'll go with Parks and Rec just because of the characters. No, I like it. There you go. <laughs> Not as fun you, you as Avatar or something like that, but, you know, it'd be a fun group. Hey, hey it's safe. It is a yeah. safe universe. <laughs> and then uh, I have to ask you, of course, what is your favorite flavor of pie? So um, for anybody that doesn't know, my wife uh, runs a bakery and makes pies, specializes in pies, and she does an incredible job with them. Uh, Weirdly enough, she has made my two least favorite pies become my favorite pies. You know, I was a very basic apple pie, uh, you know, blueberry pie. That's what I was into. And she told me, hey, I'm going to try out this cherry pie recipe. I hated cherry pie. And I said, "Eh, whatever, you know, I'll try a bite. And it blew my mind. What she does is she uses sweet and sour cherries, and then she uses maraschino liqueur for the base. And oh. So good. So that that's one of my favorites. But the second favorite is a banana cream pie, which I hate cream pies. Uh, I, I don't need anyone clipping that out and using that. But <laughs> I couldn't stand banana cream pies my entire life. And then she makes this one where she does a Nilla wafer cookie crust across the bottom. So you get this thick cookie crust across the bottom. Um, then you get the cream pie and then the bananas and more wafers on top. And it is just incredibly good. So uh, banana cream pie and cherry gun to my head shoot me because i can't choose between one of the two <laughs> fantastic no I, I had to put that in there because I, I wanted you to give a shout out uh to to your wife with Appreciate her wonderful pie she puts out there now it's great I, i'm always jealous when when i see all the amazing pictures <laughs> yeah no they're they're fantastic and uh let me tell you i mean she's she slowed down a little bit now but when she was trying out new recipes i put on about 20 pounds in like two months because she was just making a pie every single day what do you think about this one what do you think about this one and what are you supposed to do? Like eat one slice of pie and throw the rest away? No, we would just like sit in front of TV and just eat and dye your pie out of the tin. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, 
that was the last of my questions. Thank you for sharing so much about yourself. Um, do you mind plugging where everyone can find you and maybe with some stuff you have going on this summer? Of course. Yeah, it's really easy now. Um, you know, last year it was, you can find me at this website doing this and this YouTube channel doing this all over the place. No, not right now it's really simple. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's my first name and my last name. All of my written and video content can be found exclusively at footballguys.com. Awesome. I appreciate it, Dave, for you coming on and sharing so much. Um, like I said at the top of the show, this is Triple Play Fantasy Beyond the Analyst Series. Make sure you guys are liking the video, subscribing to the channel, downloading the podcast, checking out all those previous episodes, and we still have plenty more to come this offseason. So thanks, Dave, for making uh, episode 25 special. Thanks for having me, Zach. No problem. Have a great one, everyone.